Okay folks, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Wal-Aqibatul Muttaqin, Wal-A'udwani, Illa Al-Zalimin, Wa Salawatullahi Wa Salamuhu, Wa La'ashraf Al-Ambiyai, Wal-Mursaleen, Sayyidina Muhammad, Wa Ala Alihi, Wa Sahbihi Ajma'in, Allahumma La Sahla, Illa Ma Ja'altahu Sahla, Wa Anta Tajul Hazna, Iza Shia'ta Sahla, Allahumma A'inna La Dikrika, Wa Shukrika, Wa Husna Ibadatik, Ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everybody. Let's have a look here. MashaAllah. MashaAllah, you'd let him. Like, good to see Rashid Goodal back, man. The the king of the Goodals. Warya. And who else? We can see Mahjabin, who's covered everything. Mubarak to you again. We have the Maysar is in the house. Aunt Shaquille is in the house. MashaAllah, Tabarakar Rahman. And Dr. Fahad and everybody. Barakallahu feekum, zakumullah khair. Right, folks. Let's jump into today's uh, lesson. Yep, it's recording. Everything is recording. All right. Uh, welcome, everybody. Right. And sorry, I also wanted, I recognized. Who did I recognize here? A few new folks. Anna Basman. Yep, there we go. Wanted to give salam to her as well. I noticed that she gave a uh, introduction today. So welcome to her. Ahlan Sara. Fatima Fida, the Zakaria, my usual uh, folks. And Niaz, I have. I just did. <laughs> I just muted it just in time. Right, folks. Um, today, let's have a look. A bit all over the place, to be honest. Uh, and, and no excuse either. What is it? PDF. What's the PDF thing that you box it? I always forget the uh, reader name. It's Foxit. So today, LP class text, the, uh, we are going to be covering some specific parts of the du'a. Uh, so he says, the author, وَيَقْنُتُ فِيهَا بَعْدُ الرُّقُوعِ وَيَقُولُ اللَّهُ مَهْدِنِي فِي مَنْ هَدَيْتُ وَعَافِنِي فِي مَنْ عَافَيْتُ وَتَوَلَّنِي فِي مَنْ تَوَلَّيْتُ وَبَارِكْ لِي فِي مَا أَعْطَيْتُ وَقِنِي شَرُّ مَا قَضَيْتُ Maybe we'll reach that. So after the ruku'a, after the ruku'ah, one performs the kunut after the ruku'ah saying, Oh Allah, guide me along with those whom you have guided. Pardon me along with those whom you have pardoned. Be an ally to me along with those whom you are an ally to. And bless me for that which you have bestowed. Protect me from the evil you have decreed. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get that far. But at the very, at the very least, Zakaria, at the very least, let's uh, attempt to get through as, as many lines as possible. So I want to start then on in the commentary. We covered last week the We spoke about Hidai, the different types of it, the fact that you got to make sure that if you're leading Salah, make it plural, etc, etc. And now we come to And likewise, we start by saying, let's top of page 22. Um, so we'll start off by saying that um, uh, if you're making that dua, then same way you will need to say وَعَافِنَا فِي مَنْ Right? You'll need to also uh, speak in the plural. Right? Um, but if you're, when you're by yourself, you should, you know, practice and be accurate and say وَعَافِنِي وَعَافِنِي فِي مَنْ Again, like uh, last week, this is a form of tawassul, getting close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala interceding to Allah using what? What are we using? Not yani, anything dodgy, anything doubtful, anything whatever. We are using the action of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
عافني في من عافيت so uh, pardon me along with those whom you have pardoned you've pardoned them ya Allah they as 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 I am they don't deserve pardoning neither do I not, not, none of us do but you've shown your generosity to them ya Allah show show your generosity to me include me along with them so this act that he has done subhana when people are undeserving he's shown his generosity so ya Allah include me as well all right so that's another example and it will be this will of course yani continue and continue yani as sheikh uthamin says so it's almost like he's saying well just like you are pardoning other folks then pardon me as well what does al-mu'afa mean or pardon mean pardoning mean al-muradu biha al-mu'afatu fi din wa dunya it's this uh, uh when you say afini it's a very general phrase so uh the problem is is that i can't for the life of me for the life of me work out a word maybe we can in this class which combines between the two objectives or the two intentions by the word because uh, because um when we are i mean most people who are non-arab right when they hear the word afia or they hear any of his versions allahumma afini or etc they're thinking of the dua of like maghfira of forgiveness specifically pardoning and as i said last week allahumma innaka afuun tuhibbul afu fa'fu anni allah you love al-afu fa'fu anni you love to pardon pardon me this is you know a nice straightforward uh focusing on um sins right mistakes and etc so that's yani the afia of the heart the internal the other afia which is not so much uh <laughs> other than afia dos yeah um i remember going into a restaurant and saying afia dos where was that the guy looked at me and he was like i don't know what's going on here mate he looked at me and i go what isn't that what you say he goes well we say other things i said all right anyway so um Afia is strange actually when it comes to dialectal kind of Arabic when it comes to the awam the 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 the, 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 the you know the masses they kind of mean it in a kind of like a, what's the how can I say uh, in like a um, like a polite kind of phrase you know it, um, I'm trying to think of the, the the translation that they would use when you say Afia yani you know it's like uh, it's like uh, it'll, it'll come to me. I'm sure someone will just remi uh, remind me about the, uh, the, the 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 word. Like it's like a it's like a greeting, all right? Like a greeting, uh, not a greeting. Sorry, it's like saying everything's good and wishing good and so on. Now, afia in Arabic also has a, a connection to health. So when we actually say we ask for afia, we are we are uh, asking for sound body, sound uh, health, purifying from disease conditions, etc., etc. Okay. Yeah. So it is like health. It is absolutely health. But when we say, uh, like when you say bilafia, 
يعني depending upon the tone and the question mark being said, right? It's how are you versus uh, how are you doing, uh, or I am or good. You know, in in colloquial Arabic, and the colloquial Arabic kind of takes the Afia kind of, uh, it, it takes it to as far as you want to go. But from an Arabic, from a Fusha point of view, it means pardon in terms of sins, and it means health in terms of being good health and well-being. That's what Afia basically means. Yeah, bless you, that's the word. Okay, that's, 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 that's exactly what I was... Uh, يعني just that's that's it. Zakallah khair. All right. Bless you. So, um, but like I said, there is a very there's a wide. I've seen a wide spectrum. يعني you know wide 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 kind of spectrum, and um, so now that you understand where you know its connotations and so on and so forth. Let's now look at it from a Quran and Sunnah point of view, okay? From a pure Arabic kind of um, uh, a, pure, a pure usage. So Sheikh says that al muafa al murad biha al murad biha al muafa tu fi din wa dunya. Fatashmul al amrain. An yuafi kamin asqam al din wa hi amrad al qulub alati madaruha la shahwat wa shubuhat. Wa yuafi kamin amrad al abdan wa hi aitral sihat al badan. So when we ask for al-afiyah, we are asking for al-afiyah in two particular uh, paradigms. The internal and the external. The internal is the spiritual, it is the, uh, the matters or the sicknesses of the heart. Amrad al-qulub. And the amrad of the qulub are two main ones. Shubuhat and shahawat. Doubts and desires. So things that you're uncertain, unsure of, uh, Sure, unsure of because of either waswas or mostly because of jahl because you don't know or maybe even because the matter is difficult maybe it requires some faith so this is an unscientific description uh, uh, breakdown my one okay the types of shubuhat i've seen scholars talk about shubuhat yani into detail and whatever whatnot and you know like i've said before one scholar's 15 versions is the same as another person's three as another person's five it depends on what their intention is or how they're trying to break it down but for me, the shubuhat, the doubts, are either because a person is so weak in iman, and so the most obvious point is going to be a problem for them, or the doubt comes because they have jahl, because they have no knowledge, right, about something, and so when you don't have any knowledge, then you always say silly things, stupid things, and that just leads you to go worse, and it leads you into doubt. And um, what was the other thing that I said? Uh, what's the other shubuhat? I've forgotten the other third. I gave three examples, but I can't think of the third one. Anyway, and then shahawat, the desires. The desire to want to uh, eat more or to sleep more or to use your um, your body in ways that you know that you know are impermissible, etc., etc. Um, so that's the diseases of the, what we call asqam al-deen, the diseases of the religion, the diseases of the internal, the diseases of the heart. And that's when you want afia, you want protection from that. Um, and then you have shahawat. Uh, sorry, uh, that, 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 that's not. Then I have the amrad al badan, and that's basically everything. Waswas, That's what I wanted to see. Thank you. Waswas. So you've you've got good knowledge, and your iman is high, but you know shaitan's always looking for a weak point, 
and they get in and they start to yani, throw doubts against you when you know what's right, when you know the truth, you've got good knowledge, you've got good iman. I really felt I needed to say that, okay, because Sheikh Al-Tamin doesn't really elaborate on this point. But like I spent quite a bit of the last week's session, I really do think it is important for us to understand this concept of doubts, right? Especially with so many people so amazed and wowed by the bigger, wider world and what they're seeing and the internet and the information superhighway and what they're being exposed to and so on and so forth. All right. So with that being said, um, that's the internal and that's the external. External meaning the body. Of course, the body is an internal reality as well, but I mean physical. You can, better to say physical and spiritual. I think something, uh, 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 something like that. That's a mu'afa. Sheikh says that uh, he continues, goes, and of course, mankind, humans, they need both. They need protection from both. They need to cure their internal, their spiritual ills, and their physical ones. Ill. But there's no doubt that the uh, uh, protection or the curing of the sicknesses of the heart is far, far more important. Far, far more important because the consequence of sickness of the body is a destruction of the dunya. Right? The destruction of your dunya, miserable dunya, painful dunya, and maybe even the death of you in the dunya, which of course is serious. Right? We shouldn't yani, make out, oh, this dunya is nothing. This dunya is very much something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it a place uh, that's meant to be peaceful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, can put people in difficult situations, situations of war, situations of hijrah, situations of migration, situations of. Uh, turmoil and then he gives that peace and وَآمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفِ right that's in the dunya that's fear and then he gives them sakina and tranquility which is a blessing which makes their dunya livable and he's proud of saying that we are happy when we receive that so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us that means that we're not meant dunya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and don't forget your share of this dunya meaning it's part of you to work in there enjoy family enjoy uh, relationships, halal desires. So don't think that just because it's the dunya, it's something pointless, and that the amrad of the badan, if it's only ruining the dunya for you, or making dunya difficult for you, that it's not important. No, the person who is having weakness and problems in dunya, in the in the in the physical health in the dunya, they're going to uh, suffer um, in a number of different ways. That suffering can lead a person away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. That suffering can make it more difficult to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. That's why the scholars, when they spoke about the ruling on medicine, a lot of them went down the angle of what is the impact of this medication on your on your ta'a, on your obedience. And they said that if the medication if the if not taking the medicine is definitely going to reduce your, your obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it's obligatory to take the medicine. On the on the other hand, there are some people that thrive in illnesses. Now majority of those folks are in limited illnesses, right? The limited time. So uh, we've spoken about this before. You know how a person's in top health, good health, and then they're struck yani, by something, something temporary, acute condition. And, uh, you know, like a flu, like a heavy bout of the flu or like some other. And they they become so much closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, they become closer because, for a number of reasons, because they taste weakness. They taste so much, you yani, uh uh, limitations and see so much limitations of their body so they by automatically feeling that limitation they recognize the unlimited they remember they remember the unlimited the, the all-powerful the one who doesn't sleep the one who doesn't yani nap the one who doesn't feel pain the one who isn't weak so uh, uh, it's a great reminder and also uh, sometimes 
Um, I mean, I can speak about myself, but there's also like a kind of like a masochistic thing going on as well. Sometimes, you know, like uh, it's like the example of when sometimes a person gets punched, you know, like in a fight in, or, or, in a, or, or like a, you might see a boxing match or, a, or whatever. And you smack him in the face and they start laughing. Right. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's kind of funny. It's there's a sweetness. Yeah, it's being smacked. Yeah, you know, especially if you get smacked proper and you taste that proper pain. It's so painful. It sends you a bit doolally. So I, I don't want to make a major point at that, but I'm just saying that there is a special. Sometimes there are special kind of things that people experience. So I don't want to just go, you know, to one extreme or the other extreme. That you know, illness is all very good for you, or we should have no illness whatsoever. But it has its importance and needs to be dealt with. But it pales into, significant, into insignificance compared to the illnesses of the heart, the sicknesses of the heart, because that will lead to a destruction of the akhirah. If you have shubuhat, okay, that leads you to deny Allah and His Messenger, or, deny, or, or doesn't uh, uh, allow you to make them the, your priority, i.e. nifaq, so you become from the munafiqeen, you become, you become from the, the kuffar, you become yani, from whatever. You've destroyed your akhirah for in, in, in eternity. For whatever reason that you thought, whatever benefit you achieved in this life, you thought everything was going great. Actually, your heart was completely diseased and riddled at, actually all the way through. So that's a disaster. As for the shahawat, the shahawat are those kind of things that you've got to be very, very careful. That's why you have, when it comes to the shahawat, you, you see often um, examples in the sunnah or from the sahaba um, of how the shahawat must not be taken lightly. Whether it's the Prophet ﷺ explained the concept of sin as being small stones, small pebbles that you just basically, you know, they keep developing, they keep developing until it suddenly becomes a mountain. Or the idea of sins to be like a, a smell that a person, yani, if they were to do it, they were only to, you know, carry on and so on. And then it becomes a stench that person wouldn't even want to get close to them. It always escalates. That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it, or the other kind of like uh, angle, is to consider it in a, in a uh, uh, the manner like we see from the Prophet Sallallahu in the story of um, the uh, obviously uh, there are different stories, but the one the monk who was uh, 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 protecting himself from all the people avoiding relationships, etc., et and then was tempted by the girl who then came and gave the, uh, put the, the food uh, for him in the tower at his door, etc., etc., and he's keeping himself away. But then that one slight slip, which led to that one yani moment, which led to the haram, yani, because the desires couldn't be controlled, then she then, you know, went and told the, the said, I'm going to tell the people. He was, yani, you know, terrified that was going to happen. He then... Uh, uh, kills her. Like, I mean, one point is is that it escalates, it escalates, and then it escalates into maybe even kufr, right? And for example, statement of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud that um, uh, the uh, that alcohol is uh, umul khabaith, for example, right? The, these stories and these statements are there to um, how can I say um, to really cement that when it comes to desires, even the smallest ones that are, even even what you think is minor, once it gets out of control, you will not be able to stop it. And alcohol is one of those crazy things where the next day when you see a person who is, yani, you know, uh, regretful for what they did the day before or night before, they are 
completely and utterly uh, completely and utterly unrecognizable to the person from, from the previous day. Like respectable, normal, decent people. Alcohol goes in. It just goes absolutely mental. They can go all the way to to to, to rape, to killing, murder, you know, killing themselves, stupidity. Yeah, it's a madness. Once you think, ah, just let me a little bit of escapism. Let me a little bit of taste sense. A little bit of etc. Uh, uh, etc. Et so let there be absolutely no doubt about that. That the amrad al-qulub, okay, that the sicknesses of the heart are far, far, far more, more important and more serious than the sicknesses of the body. Um, Sheikh says, and it's absolutely obligatory on us for us to always keep an eye and keep a check on our hearts. And, you know, because from the body, it's so clear, so obvious. You feel a pain, you know, you immediately feel it. Uh, you, all, you, you, know, you know where it is, you understand. This is one of the reasons why the Hanabila, we'll come to this maybe sometime, did, they didn't like uh, painkillers, especially the modern kind of Hanabila. They really didn't like it. Uh, the same as actually doctors. Right, the same reason, um, because once you keep taking painkillers, especially during the onset of a pain, in a condition that's not very clear, the pain and the pain, the, the pain is location, is intensity, whatever, is normally the biggest clue to actually trying to work out what the problem is. Sometimes you kind of, you know, you can continue taking painkillers and you mess up and you get so far down the line and it's all it's a disaster. Um, uh, from another angle, taking these painkillers makes the body even even weaker. Your pain threshold is reduced, is reduced, is reduced, is reduced. Uh, the less painkillers you take, more pain that you can uh, uh, deal with. It's just like 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 any muscle. It's like any like it's like any cardiovascular exercise. You keep running five kilometers every single day. Very very soon you'll be able to add a sixth kilometer and a seventh and an eighth, and you never ever imagined. Never ever imagined that that, that, could, that, could, that could be possible. Once the body gets used to something, you can then lift the game. So pain is the same. Once you keep avoiding something, all right, you will make yourself yeah, need to be stronger and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, just keep that in mind. Now, however, my, my point is, is that if anything happens to the body, you're spot bang on to it. You know exactly what's going on. Whereas with the heart, you know, people dismiss it. You're not sure. You got yes men around you keep telling you that you're fine or you're great or whatever. Or maybe you have nobody around you and you just carry on. You feel, you know, righteous keyboard warrior, da, 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 da. you're doing what you're thinking is, is, is good. It's very, very difficult to see. It's not like it bleeds. It's not like it aches. It's not like it bruises. It's not like يعني, it uh, coughs. The heart itself is silent. It requires يعني, deep introspection. It requires a person with insight to appreciate يعني, how they're feeling, whatever. How, what's their sincerity saying? What's their yeah, any levels of hypocrisy? Because everybody has some form of level of hypocrisy. Every, yeah, every person has something of it, minor forms of it, minor aspects of it. It's when it starts to build up and develop, then it becomes serious. And there are many, it's a spectrum. Hypocrisy is a spectrum. It goes all the way to kufr. The vast majority of people who have the nifaq is in the early 20-30% of the kind of the bars of hypocrisy. So, he says that he, have they become dirty or have they be, are they clean? And he says that if you are regularly keeping, keeping your heart clean by your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa through his deen and also 
you are constantly keeping it clean with your relationships with the uh, with the people, right? How they yani, see you, right? It's a, I mean, it's a test, isn't it? Right? You put yourself to the to the test by exposing yourself to people or situations. You know how legit are you, right? When when you're in the, you know, it's, there's a difference between sparring, okay, and a real fight, okay. So when you are placed in front of the people and they test you and they push you, right, and they test your patience, how are you? How you are you with your in your dealings uh, with them? So. Um, if you or you do that regularly, then you are not only doing a great deed of or this auditing act, it's an act of ibadah, but you're protecting yourself from the, in the future as well. And you're also becoming very aware. I, I want to add to this that keeping yourself in good company as well, not just good company in terms of people around you, right, but also keeping a pure environment around you. One of the things that you need to know is that we are entirely conditioned by our environment. You watch too much filth, okay, your heart will become completely used to filth. You listen to music, then your ears will become accustomed to that nonsense. It will then it will then turn away from Quran. It will turn away from purity. It will you will pollute your own system. Okay? It's again to use the example of diet, alright? Person eats load of rubbish, they most people, they can't tell. And they rubbish the idea. People like me, okay? Rubbish the idea of organic food, this, that, blah, blah, blah. I rubbish it because I've just put filth yani, day and night into my body. All this bakwas, right? Bismillah. As I said, if you're drinking Diet Coke, don't ask us in the vaccine. I reckon with this bakwas, I've got another five years. Okay? If I'm lucky. Three years. Alright? What I might do is I have to, not just the only thingy, I have to, I, have to, I have to, see that? I have to drink a bottle of that. Okay? So, for me, Organic eggs, organic yani, uh, organic milk. Organic ain't gonna do jack squat for me, bro. Right? Organic milk is not gonna help me when I'm dashing yani ten gallons of diet coke. You see a person who changes their diet, right? From junk food, from sugar, refined sugar, for example, stops refined sugar. It's a incredible effect upon a person's health. Like, you know, they stop diet soda drinks, this, that, whatever. I've been there. I've been there a long time ago, okay? And I see it with people around me. And forget that. It's my professional yani, uh, advice to, 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 to folks. There, if people look after themselves in terms of what they put in. It's, it's, it's incredible. So likewise, the heart is the same. If you are uh, seeing pictures of nakedness, you know, uh, advertising boards, magazines and films, and you become used to it. Okay, you become Urtrul is a very good example. One of the reasons we like to promote that whole kind of thing um, to children, you know, what I was saying in the last couple of weeks and months, and on uh, Facebook and other and, and in the other classes that we've been having, still need to write that thing. Is you know, I, I actually I don't want to discuss that because I'm going to be speaking about it elsewhere. But I, one thing I do, I, I do, I'm not going to get a chance to say over there, which I will say here, is how shocking is it? How shocking is it? Now imagine, I want you to bottle the shock that you felt when you saw Halima's hair or when you saw Selchen's hair. Okay? You felt so disappointed. You felt so let down. It was so more extreme. What did you feel? This is not a spoiler, okay? This is not a spoiler. 
what did you feel when Bamse does what he does? Yeah, in that episode. Okay, in that episode. It quite literally was disgusting to look at. That is how easy um, you condition the heart and mind. That is how powerful it is. And it's like, it's, it's, uh, this has got nothing to do with binge watching. This is just about exposure. It's the same as being in the haram. When you're in the haram and when you're in the, uh, you know, in these kind of places and it's, it's, you come to a different place and everything just kind of uh, goes, okay? Uh, it really hurts. It really, really, really hurts. So, um... Yeah, so I just want to I just want you to 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 realize just how important it is how our hearts re imagine if you are only in a community where everyone is practicing everyone's doing right everyone's praying everyone's wearing hijab and jilbab everyone's yani, doing the beards and the sunnah of the the uh, uh, looking and X and what well, you know everything just take it as a whole uh, uh, you know you, you get what I'm trying to say. There is something which, um, you know, yeah, like when a hijab comes off. Like on the way there, maybe a woman might not be wearing a hijab or whatever, and you didn't even notice. And then when you're coming out, it's, and it's so, so more extreme. That just goes how the body is conditioned. So it's so, so important to keep ourselves, to create that artificial force field, right? There's one thing about moaning about it. Right and saying, oh, you know, that's a disaster and all the rest of it. But it's another thing to take a lesson from it. The lesson from it is to stick with the good people. You are you're able to do that in your life. You can cut people out. You can change. You can change uh, your company. You can change your work. You can change things. Right. So, anyway. Um. The main thing is that you've got to be careful from becoming heedless. That's the most important thing. You've got to be careful from becoming uh, heedless. And uh, Sheikh Uthameen says, because um, if you do become heedless, heedless and you then, then you lose that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then sometimes it's very, very difficult to go back. Very, very difficult to go back. So, Sheikh says then, فَحَافِظْ عَلَىٰ أَن تُفَتِّشَ قَلْبَكَ دَائِمًا so get into the habit of regularly auditing yourself, examining your heart, and you know, checking that you're in the right kind of uh, place. Sometimes you might have the illness of doubt, and sometimes you might have the illness of desires. But alhamdulillah, every single thing has a cure. Every single thing has a cure. The Quran itself is a cure for the shubuhat and shahwat, for both, for both of them. I want to elaborate on this in a minute, okay? Um, and التَّرْغِيب فِي الْجَنَّةِ وَتَحْذِيرُ مِنَ النَّارِ دَوَاءُ الشَّهَوَاتِ And to encourage people to think about uh, uh, Jannah and the, the, uh, the warning from of the hellfire for, uh, and uh, avoiding punishment is the cure for the shahawat. Meaning that you know, desires are very uncomplicated. They are very unsophisticated. 
That's why we call them base desires, right? Because, I mean, it's just pathetic, really. It's about discipline, okay? That's why I've always, I've always told my children, I've always told everybody who's close to me, that the only single thing that, that, the only, literally the only single thing between the best and the rest is discipline. And you know that I translate a taqwa as discipline as well. I know that it doesn't work so much in a lot of the cases because obviously taqwa means to protect oneself and you're protecting yourself from the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But my, my twist on that is that the only way that a person protects themselves from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger is by being disciplined in the deen. Because when the Sahabi explained what taqwa is to the other companion and he said to him, Abu Huraira, and he said to him that, well, don't you, you, you know, okay, think of it like this. When you're going through the thorny uh, part, uh, when you're going through a field and it's full of thorns, how do you get through? So he said, all right, so I get my, my uh, uh, thobe and I tie it round close and then I kind of, you know, maneuver myself like this and I maneuver myself like that so that I avoid the thorn yani, catching up on me. He goes, that's taqwa. That's the way that you, you see the dangers everywhere and therefore you then protect yourself. For me, this is discipline. The dangers are all our desires being elicited at every single moment. Person says, I'm going to go to sleep now. I'm going to read my Quran now. I'm going to turn off my phone now. I'm going to eat only good now. I'm going to make maslana. I'm going to wake up whatever happens. I'm not going to allow it. It's just discipline. It's just straightforward discipline. And the, the people of, whether it's the Bill, the Bill Gates or the Steve Jobs or the top scholars that you see, etc., etc., just, they're just more disciplined. They gave up TV. These people put in hours of memorizing, yani sit, sitting in deserts, sitting yani in madrasas, yani for hours back and forth with the Quran, which is so boring, so repetitive, whatever. At that moment in time, it's very difficult to tell the person, oh, it's going to be so great, it's going to be whatever. Even if you're, these are children mostly, even if you're older, even if you are older, you don't have time during hifs to be thinking about all the meanings and all the beauties and all the tadabbur. Memorization is memorization. It's cold. It's cold. And it's all about repetition. So you require discipline. When you think about the uh, the Stanford test, obviously there's been papers against it saying it was fake, blah, blah, blah. That's all nonsense, man. Don't ignore that. It's very simple. It's the, 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 the test that was given to children, they were all put in a room and they were uh, told, listen, uh, uh, one by one brought into the room, and they were given a marshmallow and uh, they said to them that the here's the marshmallow but uh, or here's the marshmallow and it's up to you you know you can have it right now and enjoy it but if you can wait 15 20 minutes right then we'll give you a bowl instead of marshmallows a full bowl all right so you can imagine that little stress that mission and yani, upon the child is looking at that you know you know, counting the seconds and thinking and then, you know. And most of them were like going for it. I mean, they said, forget that. They're young, innit? They just said, right. Those got no discipline or poor discipline or not thought about it or trained in discipline or even, you know, given their tarbiyah from their parents. They took it and that's the end of it. Those few that did hold out for 15, 20 minutes, you know, were patient and just took it. The guy came on time, put the bowl there, said, knock it up. They took a whole bowl and smashed it and they deserved it. Exactly. The difference between instant gratification and deferred gratification. So the, um, uh, the, the, that's not the interesting thing. The interesting thing, of course, is that the, the, the control group and these two groups then were studied for the next 30 years. And they looked at these people. 
the ones that had preferred deferred gratification that waited and those folks were far more advanced in all measures of life and all qualities of life in all the the qualities as they say in terms of wealth financials this that whatever not because discipline is the key to everything absolutely everything i mean absolutely everything so anyway um discipline patience comes under how many years it was they 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 covered it for a long time anyway um so patience comes under discipline right being patient is being disciplined when you see something that you really like then disciplined that's exactly any what i'm having to do see that ik is my my lovely daughter, my favorite daughter, because because she gets very upset when I call Hiba my favorite daughter. So it's going to be now Iman. Like the debate of Hiba watching two episodes instead of like eight over the weekend. Exactly. It's been a very, very difficult journey, right? To do Urthrul in one whole year, 5,000 episodes. Or maybe like 450 or something like that. Sometimes you've got to do literal kind of, you know. And it, actually, Iman makes a good point, right? Hiba obviously... She's six, right? And we're making a deal with her. And trust comes into it. But when someone's really into it, I mean, frankly, Hib has been the, the driver of our entire Urthul thing. Without her, it was never going to happen, right? Um, and she's the one who's most into it. She's the one who's uh, dragging us along. Two episodes right now. And I'm like, I can't do it. I can't. But I swear to you, I promise over the whole weekend we'll do eight. And sometimes she, she took it. And I must admit, I don't think all the time that she took it. But sometimes she did. She did. She had that discipline. And so I'm saying that this is, discipline is so, so, so important in every life skill. And patience is the biggest expression of it. When you're fasting, you are being patient with hunger and thirst. When you're seeing your desires in something which you are in that, that you know that is going to be great, you're being patient because deferring that gratification, deferring that self-gratification, deferring that opportunity to enjoy what you know that you're going to enjoy right now, and deferring it to a time where you'll get infinitely more is the skill. It's called Iman. It's what Muslims should perfect. And it's what the Prophet Sallallahu uh, said. Because as the as the Sheikh Tamim says, if you saw anything which impressed him from the dunya, you dunya that amazed him that you know I love this behavior. He sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, sallallahu sallam would say, لبيك إن العيشة عيشة الآخرة. يعني we are here, ya Allah, oh Allah, or like oh Allah, لبيك is like oh Allah in this particular context. The real life is only the life of the next life or the akhirah. That's yani you know. That's the real deal. The real deal is the, is the Akhirah. Seeing that and saying, yeah, you'll be good, but you know what? That's the one I'm waiting for. Yeah. Yeah, you'll be nice, but... Yeah. So... Uh, so he would... Yani, it's almost... Uh, Sheikh Uthameen, uh, he said he said something nice here. He, gaze, he goes, when he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, would say, labayk, okay? Labayk. يعني إجابة لك من أجل أن يكبح جماح النفس يعني he, he's like it's like almost like that the, uh, maybe this is not like how Sheikh is saying but how I would like to explain it 
يعني, you know when you have the, your desires and they become excessive and to curb those those excessive desires or the excess of your desire okay is a is a uh it's a success i mean it's a battle right to try and control yourself it's a real it's a real battle and sometimes you know when you recognize the fight you appreciate it sometimes when you recognize the threat you appreciate it it's like <laughs> yeah so it's labbaik ya allah i see that i see it i feel it but i'm here for you ya allah i'm going to do better i'm i'm in control i'm going to yeah rain i'm going to rain that in i'm going to curb that that desire um and just yani, does this kind of disciplining of the soul of the of the soul right so anything that he sees yani, from the delights of the dunya turns to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and disciplines himself and he says that that the real life is the life of al akhirah la dunya not yani, the life of of this life okay and indeed the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was uh, true as sheikh athamin says fa in fa innahu aishun da'im wa na'imun la tanqisa fi because and of course it's true because that uh, that akhira, that life is a continuous one entirely blissful no deficiencies as opposed to the life of or the enjoyment of this dunya which is deficient which is yani, limited it is going it is going to go yani, you know it's a madness actually if you think about it just rationally and logically think about what people are selling just because of their absolute uh, insatiable desire to be instantly gratified right it's a madness to be honest anyway so Sheikh says as for the uh, the cure for the hearts who are suffering from the sickness of doubts okay so the Quran it is a explanation it is a criterion and with it it removes all doubts all doubts because the book of allah all of it is full of knowledge and explanation and it removes the poison and the sickness of doubts and it's full of targhib wa tarheeb and encouragement and warning uh which is the which removes the the poison of the desires and you think you know is it worth it I might take this river, I might do this zina, I might do this X, Y, Z. You read yani, what Allah says, what will happen into the hellfire, what will happen to the people and their skin getting burnt and they're going to eat from a zakum and they're going to drink from you this. Oh, forget that, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to go camping, man. Forget that. You know what I mean? So some people become weak. They need a tapar slap. And that's the slap. That's the slap. Um... And as Sheikh says, but the problem is, is that we are heedless of this book. We just don't recognize how powerful this book is. We don't recognize that all of it is just so good for us in so many ways that we don't realize. And also the pure sunnah of the Prophet And I just want to mention something here before I go into the, the, the next section that he talks about in terms of sickness. Right? Very nice and interesting, actually, what he says. Um, you know... One of the, th- you know, I told you that I believe that the uh, shahwat is straightforward. Like I said, I, you know, nobody needs to be speaking about it. You know, a person who falls for a shahwat, right? They're petty, they're minor, and they're just embarrassing, right? So, so the camping, 
I meant that, you know, person is thinking, let me take riba, get riba, you know, buying something or whatever. I said, forget that. The fire is going to burn me. I'll go camping. Forget it. It's okay. Anyway, so, shubuhat are the real problem, right? They're the real problem. And it is undoubted that there are a number of things that a person will read and understand and they won't understand and, and, they, and they won't get it. And when you, when you add to that, when you add to that, the fact that people are um, emotionally affected as well, right? Emotionally affected. So a, a, an example that comes to me is feminism, right? Feminism is complete kufr. It's foundation, it's principles. It is a system to change the natural order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it comes to relationships and gender roles and so on and so forth. Um, whenever you break it down like that to any Muslim male or female, anyone who believes in Allah's Messenger, they'll easily see that. The problem is, is that not everybody's in their right state of mind. When you've been emotionally abused, domestically abused, when you've not been given your rights, when you've been blah, 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 you know, more so women, of course, than men, right? Then your emotional uh, damage turns the desire to be self-respected and get some dignity into a weapon or into or it creates holes in your creed and your iman and your faith that shouldn't ever have been there right um so this is a doubt which the the ilm of the quran would solve detailed ilm and basic ilm detailed ilm you'd learn that actually there's huge rights for women blah 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 and you'll recognize that you're far more looked after in islam than any other system etc but the basic ilm of the quran is what the basic ilm is that do not do not mix up the message with the messenger that's a basic quranic message right anybody that's why when we say the quran is the cure for shubuhat that is a is, a, is an absolute classic message right a universal message that just because everybody's abusing women and so on and so forth that should not lead you to be thinking that the Islam has got the problem so that you now go and embrace another ism, another ology, another X or a Y. No, the deen is still straight. Maintain your values. Stick to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and wants you to be, act, say, believe, dress, uh, express, whatever. And the people who are doing it in the wrong way, Allah will deal with them, etc, etc, etc. That's like one basic example. Another more serious example would be something which is genuinely difficult to understand. Like genuinely difficult. Where we can't appreciate the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his, um, in his uh, decree. Let me think of an example. Something that I think to myself, yeah, that's genuinely difficult. Okay, yeah. I think the, probably the most genuine difficult one Probably the one if I'm going to ask myself emotionally that I find difficult is, but even that I don't find that difficult. Uh, I, I was thinking about the uh, the condemning to the fire those who don't believe in him, okay, meaning the 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 
the exclusivity of sal or, or salvific exclusivity. No, I have no problem with deformed children at all. At all. Right hand possession at all. I have no problem with that, no. Um, I have no problem with slavery. I have no problem with the problem of evil. <laughs> problem of evil, man. SubhanAllah. I celebrate the, the, the existence of evil. All right? Eternal punishment. This is basically what I want to speak. That's exactly it. Well done, Sean. That's it. I have no problem with kuffar being punished to the whatever. Eternal punishment is something that, you know what I'm trying to say? And who knows? It might even be, it might even be that, and there's not a single person on this planet that can explain away eternal punishment. Not a single person. Not a single person. Yeah, but that's just so stupid, right? We're not talking about that, Maryam, right? That's, that's complete and utter lack of tarbiyah. Any person that grows up believing is purely, that's a stupid, I'm not talking about stupidity, I'm talking about genuine problems, Maryam. That's not a genuine problem. That's a pleb. As a person who wants to be slapped silly, anyone who thinks at the very basic level, at the very basic, basic level, right? Um, no, I'm talking about, I'm, I, I, I'm talking about, uh, you know, eternal punishment, right? The Quran for me is the only solution for that. No, bro, I don't have any problem with eternal pleasure. Let me just make that very clear. <laughs> eternal pleasure, you know what? I was the last thing on the list of I've got I've got a problem with. But anyway, um, obviously it's beyond our ability. I know that's what you mean. But I just I just want you to understand that, like I've told you guys many times before, the same analogy of the sajda, right? Sometimes you go into sajda and you just connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and bam, that's it. Everything disappears from my heart. Problems, difficulties, doubts, questions, this, that, blah, blah, blah. You get what I'm trying to say? Like everything. The most difficult doubt. Because, you see, I know, you know, everybody knows that we've got a very limited understanding of reality. We've got the examples in the Quran and in the deen and in anecdotal life. Forget Quran and deen. Forget. There's only how many non Muslims are there that, that, that go through an experience and say it's the worst thing ever. This is the worst life, worst moment of my life, whatever. And just two weeks later, let alone two years, let alone 22 years, when they look back and say, that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because he led me to do this. And that was the great, you know, I killed someone. I never thought I'd get away. I went to, I went to a prison. In prison, I met a person. That person showed me Islam, blah, blah. Yani, when you look back in hindsight, everything sounds okay. So that's my point. Even with the, eterni the eternality of punishment for the kuffar, which would probably be the single thing which I find just, يعني, you know, not a, a shubhat or whatever, just like, mm. I say that knowing that when I get there, inshallah, I will understand fully the wisdom. When I get there, I'll understand that our minds and its capacity was created only for this dunya. And if Allah expands it, then we'll understand yani, so much more and it, will, it won't even be a question. It won't even be a problem anymore. That's yani, the beauty, right? That's the first thing that you've got to tell people, that you don't know anything, right? And once you do know, then you'll realize. And so many times enough, we're proven wrong. And so therefore, despite saying that, I still have that there. And that only goes away when I make sajda. You know why? Because 
I'm connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And once you connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you then realize, ah, oh, none of it matters. This is Allah. None of it matters. This is Allah. And He knows. Once you've reached that certainty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is the, the defense of Iman, nothing matters anymore. Any single thing. Because I know that Allah will explain Allah is the one that will, yeah, any, you know. And this is a very basic, very basic uh, thing. Just like, you know, Fizza said, the recital, recital of the Quran enters a heart more than any other explanation and creates peace. Just a peace. No, no, don't think that oh, there's some bigger problem that I've got to find because I don't find a problem with it. No, no, no. It's no problem at all. I'm just giving you the example. That uh, sometimes the Quran just prioritizes things, prioritizes things. It, it, you know, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like. It, let me give you an example. You're always told that your brain is limited. You know that you are limited. You learn every day because you make mistakes every single day. You forget things, so you know that you're limited. You are deficient. You know that, and yet somehow we act like we're not. We act like we understand everything. When you connect with Allah, the infinite and the unlimited, especially in sajda, or when you read yani, his book, okay, when you read it and you just, you then, it's a bam at that moment, oh sugar, you know what? I just realized who I am. Of course I don't understand because I'm an idiot, because I'm a human. It's that just reminder of who Allah is. That's what it means by the Quran. That's what it means by Iman. That's what it means by the Sajda. Because you just meet Allah. You see Allah. You feel Allah. That is what gets rid of it. Not because it's getting rid of the doubt, but it's reminding you that how do you even rate yourself to understand this issue anyway? Something that I know, but I didn't know until. So I hope that that make, makes uh, sense. And I can tell you right now that there was never, ever in many years I've lived a painful, long, many years of many issues, many fatwas, okay? I'm not older than most of you, but, uh, but many of you I'm older than. And when you're in the position of fatwa, people bring the worst things, the worst cases of, of abuse, the worst cases of zina, children, murder, blah, blah. The kind of things that, you know, you see from the people, what they're doing, what they've done. You know, I mean, honestly, if I was to tell you some of the real life fatawa that I've been asked to, to work out, comment on, whatever, people would, and we would turn these into films, it would be like, you know, the, the Oscar for greatest screenplay goes to this guy. Because just the imagination, you wouldn't be able to imagine it. But human beings, they do actually do it. Right? The craziest things. The craziest things. Anyway. Alright. So let's uh, uh, go on to the next part. He goes, as for the curing or the uh, ensuing or ensuring well-being or asking for well-being, then its treatment is to be divided into two categories. The first category is That which is mentioned uh, in our deen specifically. And the second one is outside of the deen. Alright? I don't know what we're going to call that. I think we might call that contemporary medicine. Let's call this one 
spiritual medicine maybe? No. Islamic medicine or shari medicine? Yeah, and we call this contemporary medicine. Okay? I don't know if that contemporary is a good phrase though. Maybe people need to comment on that. Bismillah. Um, yeah, anyway, so the, yeah, no, secular doesn't work. I thought about that. I, I, there's a problem with secular medicine. I'm not happy with it. Um, anyway, we'll come to that in a second. Let's just focus on this. As for, uh, the Shari medicine, the medicine that comes through the Sharia, okay? Um, then it presents itself into two main forms. Where did I give this discussion on Rukia? Have I done that in LP or have I, am I just thinking of, uh, of uh, the Fiqh of Death? I could divide it into three and stuff like that. Uh, I, 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 for some reason, I think I've done it in LP recently for some reason. Maybe someone can correct me. Anyway, so there's two forms or two expressions of Shari medicine. The first one is the physical. All right. The physical. The physical is, for example, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, must be for cup death then. If it's not been done in LP, then that's fine. Okay, so uh, the first example at the bottom of page 23 is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Nahl يَخْرُجُ مِن بُطُونِهَا شَرَابٌ مُخْتَلِفٌ أَلْوَانُهُ فِيهِ شِفَاءٌ لِلنَّاسِ Okay, this is verse 16 of Surah Al-Nahl and so what comes forth from its, uh, its bellies, referring to the bees, is a liquid of different colors in which there is a curing for, in which there is a cure or a healing for the people. Healing for the people. So, so, this is, a, and we all know that honey has medicinal properties, antiviral properties, antibacterial properties, is good on the skin, it's yani, good for clearing the system out, etc, 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 etc. So that's fine. Okay? And this is similar, Shaykh Uthameen continues, such as the, the statement of the Prophet ﷺ in relation to Habbat uh, al-Sawda, the black seed, it is a cure for every illness except death. Except death. This is hadith narrated by Bukhari uh, 5687 and Muslim and other places. And on page 24, he says, and this is also similar, these are all physical forms of shari medicine. Like you might call it uh, prophetic medicine. I think that's what people call it, yeah, prophetic medicine. But it's like shari medicine, and such as his statements, Allah sallam fil kama. Okay, kama is truffle. Uh, and Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, al kama tu min al man, wa ma'uha shifaun lil ain. Hadith narrated by Bukhari. Um, hadith number four four seven eight. Translation here is that truffles are from men, and its water, its water is a cure for the eyes or a healing for the eyes. And there are many other examples of that. 
and all of this is physical medicine that's found in the Quran and in the uh, uh, in the Sunnah. Uh, by the way, just on this hadith, because every other hadith is pretty straightforward. This one is a little bit. Um, this one's a funky one. Al kamatu min al man. Um, I mean, I don't even know whether you guys know what truffles are, but they like, they belong to the mushroom family, right? They're underground. They look like a, they look like a potato, but they're softer. They're smaller, underground. Supremely expensive, beautiful taste, hugely expensive, very rich in aroma. Lots of fake out there. Muslim world has loads of it, right? Lots of it, especially in uh, in the Maghrib. So in Morocco, Jazair, Libya, these kind of places, and uh, especially those which are close to France as well. And then France, of course, has a very, very expensive developed market too. Everybody loves a bit of truffle, man. It's beautiful. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that it is a very special type um, of, yeah, and some said it's a very, some said it's a, a vegetable. Some said that it's, but it's a fungus, all right? And it's an interesting one because it doesn't have the ability, it doesn't have any chlorophyll. It belongs to like a family in which it's kind of, uh, uh, you know, yeah, expensive, exp expensive uh, mushrooms. There we go. Solange done the thing. I don't care. I don't know if you guys know what truffles are. You're turning into it. <laughs> yeah. So, no, truffles are sick. But what I was going to say is, is this, all right? Um, the thing that I wanted to say, two things. It's water, which is something which is prepared in different ways that I've seen observed. Uh, boiled down, distilled with water, mixed down, etc., etc. Okay. This, yeah, is this picture that Solange has, has, has uh, put down is called, this is a very special type of truffle. It's not black truffle. It's not white truffle. And I forgot the name of it. Oh, it's so good. It's not pelican truffle. It is, not pelican, not pecan, pelican, pecan truffle. Because it has the pecan truffle, there's very, uh, it's very nice brown color, whatever. There's a name for this, man. Guys, allow me because, you know what? I love my truffles, man. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you so much, uh, Marina. What a hater. Gus, man. She's full out hate. By the way, this has nothing to do with, with truffles. Chocolate truffle. There's no truffle in chocolate truffle. Alright? There's no truffle. Man, I forgot the name. Anyway. So, here's the thing. The Prophet said, right, that this is from men. Okay? <laughs> Alright? You're not messing about now, innit? Alright? Just shut up. It's not the chocolate truffle. This is different. So, uh, uh, first of all, I want you to know that there are a number of studies. I mean, I said this in pharmacy donkeys years ago, okay? And the water of it, it is actually very effective, more effective than chlorophenicol, more effective than steroids for certain conditions of the eye. Now, I know that we shouldn't be saying that, okay? Right? But, uh, you know, it's a whole different level of 
Summer truffle. That's exactly the word I was looking for. Summer truffle. Even though I think that the one that she put... Actually, if we look at her picture... Yeah, actually, if you look at her picture... Oh, you know what? I'm going with Summer Truffle. I don't care what you lot are saying. The one that she's put... Although, to be honest, you can actually... Uh, Mu'min is saying... Is that our Mu'min? Is that my Mu'min? With dad's Mu'min? Mu'min, we haven't seen you for donkey's years, bro. Are you saying people call herbal readies mentioned mention the Quran Sunnah Tib Shari? Alright? Usually in Arab countries that term that term refers to forensics. So that's why I told you I'm not Yani a big fan. Okay? I'm not a big fan of the 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 wording here. Oh you sick guy, Mu'min. Right, so I'm not a I'm not a fan of the wording, but uh, but not all herbal remedies, but that which is mentioned in the Quran and Sunnah is like an added level of uh, verification, an added level of validation. That's the word. Okay. Um, this paper, by the way, because that actually is what it is, Terfizia Claveri, or whatever, however you meant to say that. Um, <laughs> so, you know. Anyway, listen, we're, 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 we're getting off the topic. So the point is this, is that um, it is very effective in certain eye conditions. Now, I think that's where we got to. The really interesting thing for me is, is not that. It's that the Prophet ﷺ said that it is from Al-Man, right? Manna, as the Kuf say, manna, yeah? Right? So... You know, actually, in the Bible and in wider society, okay, the the uh, so I don't know, Amina. I don't know. I've never done it myself. Okay, I've never done it myself, and it's not like something which um, uh, I have experience in, right? Because that's a, that's a you know how much what concentration you know dilution or not etc. That's, that's an ilm in itself. But anyway, they themselves have never been able to determine what manna actually is, what kind of food it actually was. There's a lot of huge research articles etc. etc. And then our our uh, deen, the Prophet comes boom. Drops this hadith here and it just puts yani, the cat amongst the pigeons because they were going with the opinion that you know manna is like referring to all delightful food. Some said that it was a food that only existed back then, doesn't exist now, blah 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 blah. For the longest time, like when I was younger, like in 2021, 22, and early 20, I thought manna was truffles. All right, and I still and I still have a part of me that especially when I look at this hadith. I kind of think that maybe that there's some kind of genus thing going on and that manna is still truffle. See, truffle is a very healthy thing as well, by the way. It's packed full of protein. Lots of enzymes and uh, metals in it. It's got copper, magnesium, blah, blah. Very healthy, very any good for you. Um, it's valuable simply because of how difficult it is to find. You've got to you know, use all kinds of things to get hold of it. 
it takes ages to grow and so it's you know hidden under the ground you know it's so missioning right it's pure missions and so um so i think that maybe manna itself is some kind of wider fungal yeah anything you know some of the jews they used to say that it was a that in the sinai kind of uh, peninsula it was that which grew on the floor like a like a mushroom like a like a luxury type of mushroom upon from which truffles is one form of it anyway i can go on for ages man truffles i love truffles anyway so the second type the second type is um because we said yeah the first the first the first category the first ca- guys let me just make something very very clear okay uh, i know i should have explained because people are seeing this uh for the first time i don't want like the cost i don't like what they look like whatever whatnot they're not bitten into they're not cooked this is that thing which you see it's shaved very very thin microscopic thin like microscopic thin because it's so so strong tasting and then you cut that into small pieces and you grind it and you sprinkle it like a salt right or very fine fine shavings or you put it into an oil and dip it around uh uh you know drizzle it and is you know tiny amounts man tiny amounts depending upon the different type obviously some are very potent so don't think that way if you think of it like that then it's a whole different ball game you can't go and bite into it yeah you'd be, you'd be dead man you'd be dead anyway anyway so okay um i said that the shari medicine is of two types the physical which is everything that we've just spoken about and uh the spiritual okay the spiritual right the more kind of like yeah i need the metaphysical the spiritual and that is for example reciting over the sick one reciting over the one who is ill and this is sometimes even better and quicker even better and quicker in its effect and in curing the one who is ill look at for example the ruqya and this is what we call ruqya spiritual healing or faith healing which i, I prefer calling it okay faith healing for those who are sick so you will see that sometimes they are they are cured immediately for for example on the day of khaybar on the the, the eve of the battle of khaybar the prophet ﷺ said that i will most definitely give the flag, the flag and remember that the flag bearer okay is like yani you know he's the he's like the the you know he's the main guy at the front is the honor is the respect is so much yani you know it's the proper position that everyone's desperate for and he goes that tomorrow i'm going to give the flag representing the muslims okay to a man that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless yani everything at his hands will bless him and everything will open at his uh, hands he loves allah and his messenger he loves he loves allah uh allah and his messenger and allah and his messenger love him and he says this on the night before and all these people they're just like minds are blown the companions are like oh my god and the whole night they can't sleep they're thinking is it me how can i uh, hopefully i can be that person who's it going to be all the rest of it etc 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 and then the next morning when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam 
Yani was in front of them and every single person's like, yani, you know, hooked on what's going to come uh, next. The Prophet Sallallahu uh, he says, Where's Ali ibn Abi Talib? Where's Ali ibn Abi Talib? Radiallahu anhu arda. And they said to him, uh, Ya Rasulullah, he's got a problem with his eye. He didn't come out, right? He's, you know, there's some problem. Uh, so he goes, Bring him out. So they called him and they brought him. And he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, spat into his eye. I'm sure you've heard this hadith, but in case you just didn't. So he spat into his eye, or actually in the the riwayah that he's mentioning here, which is the uh, which is Bukhari three zero zero nine. He says both eyes. I always thought it was one eye, but anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. So he spat into both his eyes, and he made du'a for him, and there and then. The ears, the eyes cleared up, and they were back to full. Okay, like as if there was not a single trace of the disease, and he gave him the flag as the hadith of Bukhari. Likewise, I think which I mentioned, maybe I didn't, uh, of the example of the military unit that was on the way, and uh, 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 they were far away from home. They decided to take shelter. The tribe didn't allow them to come in, so they had to camp on the outside. So uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, making an example, sent a scorpion that then went and bit the chieftain. They couldn't deal with it. It became serious. They became desperate. They're trying to find a doctor, can't find anyone. And then someone someone then said, hey, why don't you go and ask those foreigners outside? They look a bit, yeah, and, you know, here and there, etc., etc. And uh, they said, okay. And they said, uh, yeah, we've got someone that can uh, sort, sort this out. We've got someone that can sort this out. Um, uh, but we did ask you for a little bit of hospitality and you guys refused. And so we'll do it, but it's going to cost you. So they said, all right, then we'll give you some uh, um, some uh, sheep. We'll give you some sheep. And then one of them, he went and he... Uh, started to recite over the bite, okay. Started to recite over the bite, and when he Surah uh, Fatiha and repeatedly, and as he did that, the bite was like kind of you know whatever it was, and it was basically disappearing as he was reciting. Yeah, and it healed, uh, just completely, and uh, then the next day when they went to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they told them about it. And obviously the, the the response is a long one, or he وسلم, said, but the opening statement was يعني, what made you realize that this could be used to heal people? Surah Al-Fatiha. And this was the companion's own initiative. You know, he hadn't even been taught by the Prophet, وسلم, and yet the Prophet recognized it was a ruqya. And then as you know, he was very happy with how it went and even the payment that they asked for, and he asked for a share himself as well. Okay, so this is pro- prophetic medicine. Huh? Mu'min, Sheikh Uthameen calls it something different here, you see. At the beginning, they use this shari kind of concept. This is shari medicine. Now he calls it prophetic medicine. I've always found a problem with this phrase. I always find it inaccurate. No, it's a major problem, but I just think that the phraseology of all this could work a lot uh, better. So anyway, this is prophetic medicine, but it is done in a spiritual way. It is based upon... Qira'ah. And 
ديسايد اي لايك وات شيخ سيز اند وما اكثر الذين نشاهدهم ونسمع من ونسمع بهم رايت يؤثرون تاثيرا بالغا في المرضى رايت هي جوز هاو ماني دو هاو ماني بيبول ذات ويف سين اند هاو ماني بيبول هاف وي هيرد that they've got a bigger, better effect يعني, from the spiritual uh, uh, realm in the spiritual dimension of healing than from the physical one, okay? And it had a much greater impact upon the sick person, يعني, much more than any other physical uh, medicine which people uh, you know, come around uh, via uh, uh, experimenting, all right? You know, um, uh, study and uh, artificial medication or whatever the word's called. So... What I liked about this is that a lot of people themselves don't know, okay, of these practices. And I say that, why do I say that? Meaning that a lot of people think that the scholars are masters in Rukya, right? Rukya is such a specific field. Like someone, you know, I'm going to ask me, you know, how do you make it? I ain't got a daddy how to make the truffle uh Uh, everything's like it, it, it comes with training right it's like any other profession you go to university and study that in of itself scholars don't know about rukia or the different forms of the dua that are recited in certain ways in certain manners in certain um uh, uh, uh you know reciting quran upon water upon milk uh washing people in a certain way etc etc it can get crazy out there it can get funky and if you don't trust the person then they get away with murder Whereas, you know, if you trust the person and they've got and they stick to Quran and Sunnah, don't do any weird dodgy stuff, don't hide anything away, ta'wiyah and all that kind of stuff, ta'wiz, right? Then, you know, this is something which is specialist. So, Sheikh Uthameen says we hear a lot about this. We don't know about it, right? We hear a lot about this. So, uh, I like that. And then he finishes off and we'll finish off as well with this. He goes, as for the second category, Of medicine, so I told you that he said two categories of medicine: shari medicine, which is itself two types, physical and spiritual. And then you got the second category, and he calls this tibun madiyun yu'arafu bitajaru. Okay, so this is basically contemporary medication, which is basically discovered by uh, by by discovery, discovered by experimentation, discovered by uh, uh, by self practice, etc., etc., etc. So. Um, and uh, he goes, this is what basically the doctors use today. It doesn't matter whether they study it yani, in any kind of, uh, uh, they, they, they study it formally or they they learn it yani, in their, their in, in, in industry uh, experience or whatever, or they're the people of the, rural, of the rural lands and they're trying it themselves. So wild herbs, wild X, Y, Z, etc., etc. It doesn't matter. Okay. You find any Amatanas, They yani, go there and they try a few plants and they find that it works. All of this is one big category. It's not mentioned in the Sharia. It's not spiritual healing. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dawa. He sent down the cure. He sent down the poison or the illness and he sent down the cure. And we know obviously from practice that, that the vast majority of our medication, excellent vaccines amongst them. By the way, I've got to say for all of the love and the hate for vaccines, by the Father of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is having an astonishing impact. There's been over 230 million doses being given of these vaccines. Now, I know that we're going to probably die in about 5-10 years, right? So my best is going to be done probably halfway through LP if we're alive. But so far, so flipping good, bro, right? 
You know what I mean? I mean, it's crazy. So anyway, experimental is not, uh, uh, experimental is obviously being mentioned. Like traditional medicine, just want to make it very, very clear. Traditional medicine comes under this category. So it's not about, that's why I didn't like, I'm not too sure about contemporary because contemporary indicates that traditional is not included. So I need a phrase, okay, that is encompassing everything which is non-shari. So it's basically, uh, now I admit that experimental would technically cover contemporary and traditional and herbs and homeopathy and all the rest of it. But it's just a horrible phrase, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, so we'll call, we'll call it that, okay? Let's do some a few questions and then thingy. Conventional, 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 not contemporary. I knew that there was a problem with that word. I knew that when I was saying it, it felt wrong. Conventional medication. Thank you, uh, Mesa. Well done. Conventional, okay? No, no, conventional is the exact phrase. I don't need any other phrase, alhamdulillah. Conventional covers the, it basically is understood that it's the rest. Now, the problem with conventional is that there are some people who are into conventional medication that does not accept traditional medication. But that's just ignorance because traditional medicines are often, often the source for uh, 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 conventional, new, modern, experimental, scientific medication. Do you know what I'm trying to say? There might be a bigger word out there that covers it all. Empirical is not the one. Revealed experiential is not the one. Okay? That's the problem that conventional um, uh, uh, removes uh, thingy. <laughs> right. So, let's just uh, uh, go back and look at some of these uh, comments. Let me go right down because there was a few things because I became a bit busy. The Rukia and Raki industry is mad. Absolutely. Biggest mistake ever is to ever recommend a Raki because none of them can be recommended. I don't trust a single one, frankly. Right. Well, there was one that he gave. He stopped a long time ago, man. Abu Hanifa in London. Rest of you, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't trust with a barge pole. Anyway. Uh, MashaAllah. MashaAllah. Some nice stories here. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cure all of us from illnesses and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. Allahumma ameen. Um, in Pakistan, often doctors write a sha who are shafi. That's right. Honestly. It's taqdeer ilahi, as al would say. And he is a shafi. Yeah, Shafi, yeah, Shafi. Sick guys. Right. Um, Sheikh, regarding prophetic medicine, we tend to go to conventional medicine. Is there a standard adhkar we can we can do to make dua for cure for long-term conditions or does the form of ruqya vary per condition? Of course, the form of ruqya does vary, but there are adhkar that we need to be going back to first. So, for example, when we've got pain, Allahumma inni a'udhu billahi wa qudratihi mimma ajidu awhadir, for example, to repeat that seven times after you say bismillah three times. And so many of the adhkar in general, people don't even do that, right? Um, at, the, at the beginning, right? Um, so, yeah. So we've got the, we've got the, yeah, as Sumera says, conventional is not covered the herbalist. That's the problem with the word conventional, right? That's the uh, problem with the word conventional. Um, oh my God, you got some weird, so do we, have we not got questions actually on this? People are asking all kinds of bugwas, man. Forget that, not interested in that today. Lesson's gone on too long. I just want to know if we've got qu any questions from the class. I don't want to leave anything from the class. 
Um, does that mean that there is a cure for everything just needs to be found? That is what the hadith says, right? That is what the hadith says. And this is, you know, and also an, uh, an encouragement for the scientific method that we should be very much yani, invested in the scientific method, right? To always be studying, always be looking into it. Uh, do you know if the story of Khalim and Wadi reciting his dua before drinking poison is authentic? As far as I can remember, it is. Okay, but this would be an exception. There are many things out there that are exceptions. Yeah, exceptions to the general rules. What are your thoughts? All right, okay, off topic. Ugh, I don't want to do this stuff, which is about business and God knows what. I just want to know if it's... Um... Where does cupping fall? Is it something prescribed Islamically or a habit of the people of the time? No, I think that cupping, of course, it is pre-Islamic, but it becomes Islamic because the Prophet ﷺ recommended days and times. And so he made it yani, more specific in that kind of way. And I have a relative who has been di diagnosed with OCD and she suffers from a lot of waswas. Waswas and worries that her iman is not true. And now she has been feeling like she doesn't believe in Allah and feels suicidal too. She keeps everyone asking to make. She keeps asking everyone to make du'a. I tell her not think too much on focus on doing the basics of ibadah, even though she doesn't feel like it. Is that good advice? I mean, yeah, I th I do think that's the, that, that that's the right advice, especially in line with what I was saying, right? That a lot of the time people, when they fall into this, they just got to they've just got to fall back in love with Allah. They they just they've just become distant from Him. Um, I mean, there's so many ways and so many different angles a person could take in trying to answer this. Most of the time, people who are close can identify what the real problem actually is. Um, but I just really believe that a person should be... Uh, just sometimes they just need to get right back into the game. Keeping things simple. Exactly like you said, the basics of Ibad. They're not making things complicated. Just you know, remind them of what... What made them love Allah and His Messenger? Okay, uh, I have no. Uh, uh, so, going backwards because it looks easier. Learning tafsir or other similar subjects from Nu'man Ali Khan. I've heard very little of Nu'man Ali Khan. Okay, very very little. The problem with Nu'man Ali Khan is that he uses very little tafsir. Okay, but then I'm a I'm a I'm a tadabbur fan, right? Because he's not traditionally trained, because he's not Islamically trained, yani, like, uh, from a scholarly point of view, he never traditionally has understood the difference between tadabbur and tafsir. And so he started off, I mean, now he has because he's got Sahib, yani, you know, sorting him out. Sahib is one of my guys, Sahib Saeed. But um, when he did all of this material, whatever, whatnot, he was going out there thinking this is tafsir. And in actual fact, it's his understanding of the way he understands the linguistics of things, which is a problem. It's not a problem if people say, this is my opinion, this is how I understand, this is how I benefit from it, this is what the lessons I take from it, which is great. And if people see it like that, then it is great. Problem is, is that he's written tafsir all over it, people think it's tafsir, whatever, it's not even close to what the, the actual intended meaning of the ayah actually is. So that's it really. And you're not going to study anything else from him because he doesn't have the uh, requisites to teach aqidah or anything else, but from the Quran benefiting any from his ideas and knowing that it's only ideas, I think it's fine. But that's the reason why, of course, we, we went ahead with Quranic progression because 
the 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 the, the complete difference is uh, doing with Ahsan, who's sticking to all the tafsir and is smashing it proper, legit. Everything you learn is from our Islamic sources. No danger, no messing around. Flamingo halal, why not? First time I've heard, don't even know exactly what it is. That, that thing that stands on one, one leg or whatever, I don't know. Okay, and the last thing is he sends it via paper. A buyer has to send a specific amount to the seller for his purchase. A buyer has to send a specific amount to the seller for his purchase. He sends it via PayPal. Then the PayPal, then PayPal charges the seller some fees, which could have been avoided if they sent as friends and family. Should the buyer be responsible for that fees or seller? It doesn't matter who should be responsible. It's upon agreement. All right. If people are using a platform and there is a fee, it's allowed for the seller to incorporate it. It's allowed for the buyer to say, I want it to be refunded. I don't want to pay it. It's based upon agreement. Okay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Rest of you can put any of your other questions uh, or remaining questions in the uh, in the uh, in the thingy in the uh, uh, in the Telegram group, and I will get round to it. Although these next ten, these next seven, eight days, seven days, eight days are incredibly busy, so just be patient, okay? Be very, very, very patient because I'm super busy. All right, guys. Jazakumullah khair. Barakallahu fiqum. Wa سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت وأستغفرك اللهم وأتوب إليك والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته